Welcome to episode 132 of Friends of Film, a podcast where release news and releases in the movie world. On this episode, we'll cover Billy Dee's Star Wars Return, a bunch of first look images, Deny Guerrero's Rise, and more after you view Dwayne The Rock Johnson's Skyscraper. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by a man who thinks Dwayne Johnson is his daddy, Josh Straley. <laughs> no, I... Th- the, the line in the review was supposed to be like a playful thing where it's like, oh, The Rock is my dad for this movie. He's going to save us all from this terrible fire. And um, clearly it didn't make the cut. It did not. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, man, couldn't be. I, I you know, I don't know. <laughs> Jeez. But, yes, listen, The Rock is the man and... If he walk in here right now, I would do whatever he told me. Okay. He's that authoritative. That's what I'm Say, getting go, at. You're in a timeout, Josh. <laughs> yes. You're grounded. Two weeks, no podcast. <laughs> Not even, I wouldn't even say a single word. Yes, sir, right away. <laughs> okay. And there I am. Um, but hey, everyone, don't forget, you can get all of our latest updates on Facebook and Twitter at Friends and Film. And be sure to check out the rest of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And if you can, on iTunes, please leave us a review. It really helps. Yeah, and then be sure to over to our website as well, friendsandfilm.wordpress.com. Uh, Josh is currently doing his first viewing, first yes. time viewing of the Mission Impossible franchise. Mm-hmm. You have two editions up so far. One week down. There will be Mission Impossible 3 will be up the day after this podcast. Yep. You've already watched the movie. Do you want to tease your thoughts a little bit for the audience? Very good. I loved it. Best it, one yet. Best one yet. Yes. I mean, okay. it's JJ, it was J.J. Abrams, and uh, I mean, I could go on and on, but it's kind of like watching The Force Awakens. It was like watching The Force Awakens. Really, it really, really was. I'm not in love with the characters as much, but it just had this uh, Spielberg, Indiana Jones feel <laughs> to the whole thing. Yeah. It was it was like he per- perfectly encapsulated mission, the prior two Mission Impossible movies. And then did his own thing with it. So your ranking so far is three one two. Three one two. All right. Yes. Yes. That would be right. Perfect. Um, and also on the website, you guys will see my review of the first Purge, which mm-hmm. I checked out a lot this past week. Uh, I actually enjoyed it. Didn't think I would really, but I was just like, eh, I'll go see it. I'm kind of bored tonight. And uh, yeah, it actually kind of impressed me a little bit. Um, mainly with the two leads, Yolanda Noel and Lex Scott Davis. I think both of them hopefully have very bright futures in Hollywood. Um, I even pitched Yolanda Noel as the next Blade in my review. Um, And even throughout uh, the director, Gerard McMurray's name, if like, you know, if Creed franchise continues and they're shuffling directors again, it's like, well, maybe he could be up for Creed 3. I mean, I I would like that. So um, just a couple of names to keep an eye on. If If you're a fan of the Purge franchise, I think you'd definitely enjoy this one. So, um, all right. But this week we're reviewing Skyscraper. Yes. The uh, 22nd movie from Dwayne The Rock Johnson this year. Uh, <laughs> it's not, only, wait, no, it's only a second. It's, a, it's right? only the second. Okay. But yes. He's, it's, it seems like he's, I've seen more of him. That's but, true. Um, yeah, it's only his second movie of the year. I think it's his final movie of the year. I mm-hmm. think he was going to have a third one out at the end of the year, but I think it got pushed to early 2019 instead. So, this is it yep. for The Rock for 2018. We'll have to just wait until. 2019 to just get a bunch more of him josh you reviewed this movie for the site i did uh, what did you think i i i think i was spent the last two times we've talked about this movie kind of laughing at it mm-hmm. because it was an absurd promise i'm like oh boy here we go dwayne the rock johnson does a does a die hard his own version of die hard only 
differently, I mm-hmm. think, would, would be the way to say this. Um, but I don't know if I got primed into loving this movie more than I thought I would through his late night appearances because it's, it's Dwayne. And then Nev Campbell mm-hmm. as well, who I haven't seen since House of Cards, which didn't really do her justice no. at all. But I don't know if it was just the two of them being parents and the, in this movie and then kicking butt along the way mm-hmm. that did me in, but I, I enjoyed the heck out of it. There wasn't one moment where I was like, oh, this is just too much, man, at, at all. And I'm, this is an objectively ridiculous premise in film. Um, uh, first and foremost, this is the fir- most sentimental and like soft I've ever seen The Rock since mm-hmm. Central Intelligence, um, which is funny because it does reunite him with his Central Intelligence director, um, Ross and Thurber. Mm-hmm. So they like to bring out the the lovable, adorable, huggable side of The Rock, you know, that you kind of see in social media a lot Mm -hmm. of the time, whether it's playing with his kids or on late night shows or whatever the case is. And I was here for that. Um, Story-wise, the action is kind of forgettable, Mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, is sort of the main premise. But there are some astounding inferno, um, you know, shots and moments uh, while the building goes ablaze that are that are pretty neat to see. Um, there's a particular uh, room in the Pearl. The dome is yeah. actually like a crazy hall of mirrors with mm-hmm. 8K, 9K cameras, <laughs> as I think Chin Han's character says, uh, which is like, okay, cool. And then you get this really cool view. Uh, so that was some neat stuff uh, to get a look at. Um, from there, though, I mean, like things that I just didn't enjoy would be the plot is still kind of stupid mm-hmm. i mean not stupid but it's just like okay we get it yeah you need you need something to set the tower on fire mm-hmm. this is what they came up with so uh chinese gangs and the yaku i don't think they actually say the yakuza no they're not the yakuza but they're uh, you know they're mobsters of some kind um so that's on there roland muller uh he's he's good at being evil and I haven't seen him in anything before. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that guy could be a villain in, you know, Fast and Furious 9 or 10, <laughs> whatever the case is. So we'll probably see him. Uh, but then there's the two kids, and then there's The Rock, and there's Nev Campbell. And I think that's just why I love the movie so much. Um, I will I will never watch this movie again. That's, a, that's an absolute <laughs> for sure thing. Okay. But I just enjoyed the heck out of it. And I <laughs> I can't fault it for just being a, uh, you know, a big budget action film mm-hmm. at it. At all. So, I, I mean, I've given it four out of five ticket stubs, which, I mean, objectively, I don't know, like, you know, how that'll stand up when other people come <laughs> along and rate this film. But that's that's how I felt about it. And if you really just want to not shut your brain off, but just say, I'm here to have a good time. Mm-hmm. The Rock's got duct tape jokes, a little bit of some awkward humor, and then some um, offbeat, you know, kind of comedy moments. And you get you get what you see in the trailers, mm-hmm. and I was pleased. Did you shell out for any like, anything extra in terms of viewing, like just regular two D, or did you go three D? I just went two D. Okay, and I was I was fine with it. All right, I saw it in three D. Okay, um, it's not an IMAX, but I kind of thought it was a, a weird move. I mean, this this movie seemed kind of primed for IMAX, um, for sure. Just because I think even I don't think the three is anything special, but in the giant spectacle moments of the movie. I think seeing that on IMAX screen, especially there's like shots of like basically the rocks perspective when he's just like dangling over the edge of the building and he's just like spinning around. Like that would have been like really dizzy into watch like an IMAX Mm -hmm. and it worked in 3d. And I think those 
moments were probably the strength of the movie when it's like him trying to break into the building or trying to go do something. He has to like crawl out on the ledge. You're like, I feel like physics would instantly make this not possible for right. a guy of the rock stature mm. to like climb on the side of this building Six, for so long or 250 pounds. But Ooh. you know, they make it work. They make it happen. And uh, I think those moments where it was like, okay, this is actually kind of gripping. Like it's kind of thrilling. Um, this is working for me, but then everything else about the movie doesn't really work for me. I just thought it was so generic, so formulaic. It's like cut and paste cookie, uh, cookie cutter, uh, sort of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's <laughs> the, story. It is. Yeah. It is so predictable. I'll agree. Um, I don't know if it's purposefully so heavy-handed with its foreshadowing, but it's like <laughs> right with the. Phone. I know this is going to lead to this, and I know this is going to lead to this. The only thing that I wasn't like, oh, obviously this is going to be a callback, mm-hmm. is an early joke between Nev Campbell and The Rock about technology and i was like and then they made it at the end and i was like duh how did <laughs> oh, i how yeah. did i not see that one coming i got it right away um so th- it was it kind of almost took a little bit of the enjoyment out of the movie for me where mm-hmm. it's like I, I i know this movie's going i mean the marketing for the movie really laid everything out there already but then in the movie you're just like yeah, i get it i know what you're going for and so there weren't like any real surprises and i didn't find the story that fascinating i mean the first i get why they started the movie with like here's how the rock lost his leg but it felt really like it felt like a weird prologue to a movie that didn't need to actually be there yeah um i mean i get why they would again why just want to start with like an action beat because otherwise you're opening it up and it's like oh here's the rock and he's disabled and now he's off to business meeting you're like this isn't a rock movie <laughs> um but i don't know it just all kind of felt like a little weird to me I, okay the the thing I did like about this for the rocks perspective is kind of what you said that they make him as unsuperhuman as possible. They're like, all right, you, you know, your leg got blown off. You only have one leg. Um, then opening fight sequence, you get stabbed in the arms. Now you mm-hmm. have less strength in your arm. You get stabbed in the chest. Um, you're getting like your head smacked around all the times. So it's like, they're trying to like physically kind of impede him. I think as much as possible to make it more believable. Right or to make him like more akin to like the Bruce Willis type in Die Hard where he's yeah. like, this is just a normal everyday guy and not the rock, a six, four bodybuilder sure. <laughs> turned actor. So I liked that kind of stuff. I, I really liked Nev Campbell. Um, mm-hmm. I thought she was probably the strongest aspect of the movie outside yes. of kind of the, the, the spectacle when it actually delivered. Um, she, she kind of like actually stole, I thought the rocks like charisma. It almost felt like, they were like writing the rock for Nev Campbell. Cause like her line, you better, it felt like, okay, that, that's like such a Han Solo line, but it also mm-hmm. felt like such a rock line where it's like, normally I feel like the girls say, I love you, honey. And he, and he's like, you better. And like, give him a wink to the camera <laughs> and go, you know, save the day. But it's like, no, she always got that line. And I liked that. Cause it was like, gave her some personality. Um, the kids I thought were fine. The villains, again, like you said, super weak. Um, don't really do anything. And, other than that, I mean, I think Marshall, Ross and Marshall Thurber did a good job directing the movie in terms of, like, he delivered in the aspects that, like, I think the movie was really going for. But whereas a movie like Rampage that we saw The Rock in early this year, I thought really leans into the fact that it's like, we are a big, dumb movie. Right. Skyscraper doesn't get that. And it's like, no, we're a heartfelt family drama that just happens to be on top of a 220-story burning mm-hmm. building. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like... 
no, like, like just lean into the ridiculousness aspect of this movie. Cause like my theater, which wasn't like super full or anything, but there was only one moment in the entire movie where like it was burst out in a laughter. And it was when one of the, uh, side cops like said something randomly. I don't remember what he said, but it's like a really quick one liner. And then everybody laughed and then that was it. And then we oh, moved on. Yeah. Brian Mann's character. Maybe inspector. Wu. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like, I feel like that was like surprising. Like, I mean, I liked the duct tape joke, but it's like, again, like all that stuff is so like, I, I knew that joke was coming the second I saw duct tape on the screen. It's mm-hmm. like it, everything just felt so like heavy handed and right. so predictable that I just didn't really enjoy myself in the movie. Um, so I'm going to give it two ticket stubs out of five, wow. uh, oh. which I mean, it, like, it pains me to say that because I thought this was going to be like, I was actually kind of excited for this movie. Like, oh, this is just going to be a big, dumb rock version of Skyheart. It's going to be, or Diehard. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it's going to be Diehard, like, on steroids, That's what basically. we'll call it from now on, I, Other people have called it Skyheart, <laughs> so I'm not inventing that. Um, so maybe that's why it's in my brain. All but, right. uh, yeah, you know, it just didn't really do anything for me. Well, I find that crazy because, I mean, I don't know. I j- it got me cheering for him. And maybe, I don't know, I don't see, even when we've reviewed both of the Rocks movies this year, but I have not watched a solo rock action adventure um baywatch was very much a ensemble mm-hmm. film more than anything with the dario efron and uh the other guy have you seen san andreas no i haven't seen okay. san andreas i prefer san andreas to this movie really um yeah because i think it, it handles the kind of ridiculous it's like the world's largest <laughs> earthquake uh, in history and it's like mm-hmm. all right of course the rock has to be the this one to the save it this is the world's largest tower in history yeah but, but it's like i don't know for whatever reason i didn't the feel like of san andreas i mean kind of in terms of like the premise like the world's biggest thing family's in danger the rock has to save them yeah but i don't know it just there was just something that just didn't click with me for this movie for whatever reason i like you i will never watch this movie again okay uh <laughs> For you, it's because you're like, I loved it so much. I don't feel like I need to watch it again anyways. Me, it's just like, I didn't love it, so I'm, I probably won't rewatch it. Well, I mean, I don't know if that... I didn't love it so much, I never need to watch it again. But yeah. I enjoyed the heck out of it. But my rating is part of my experience. I usually mm-hmm. would only give that to something I would see again. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I just... I didn't have any qualms against it. Okay. There was nothing... I, I felt like it stepped into what it was in a lot of ways. Um... But The Rock, I do know The Rock can do better from Mm -hmm. here on out. Maybe this is going to be the first signal because it is not doing well at the box office uh, domestically. It'll probably rip up internationally, I think. Um, It's set in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't feature prominently. And like I said, Brian Mann um, is the inspector of the cops of Hong Kong. There's also an antagonist. Um, it's Asian as, as well. Yeah, the female antagonist. I, she had like one Hannah standout Quinlan. like fight scene right at the beginning. I was like, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Like she could be kind of cool. And then she's like, doesn't do anything with the movie. Right. And then and she I gets like, her head kicked in yeah. by Nev later. Which like that film. was like a decent action beat. But it's like other than that, like, and I, I, I don't know how once we get into spoilers on this or anything, but like having them like, all right, Nev, you're out of the building. You're safe. And it's just like, oh, you sidelined her for the whole third act. It's just like, come on. Uh, I mean, I felt like she led the, her own. I mean, yeah, but I would have rather like seen her like, you know, in the action. So just being like, all right, you know, I'm a, uh, I'm going to help you guys track down where their best plot of landing their parachutes. I'm like, give me something more. 
All right. Fair so, enough. Um, I don't think we really need to talk about it, this movie anymore. It's, no. It's pretty straightforward. Yes. You liked it. I did not. Um, Were you like irritated in the theater? Or no. Was it, like, it was just like it ended and I was like, oh. It feel nothing? Yeah, basically. Right, fair enough. So, um, I mean, yeah, it's nothing. I mean, I think The Rock's charisma is still there and everything, but just whatever reason, this one just didn't land with me. So, uh, ne- better luck next time. Yeah, all right, fair <laughs> enough. Um, they're going to reunite him with Thurber and Gal Gadot. For Red Notice. For Red Notice. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yes, I, I am as well. I think, uh, here, here's a question. Sure. You've seen Central Intelligence? Yes. Which do you prefer? I prefer Central Intelligence. To Skyscraper? Yes. Okay. So do I. More but. jokes in that. Right. More clearly comedy. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just wanted to, you know, it's the Ross Marshall Thurber, Dwayne O'Connor Connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So that brings us to the end of our review of Skyscraper. So we'll be right back in a bit with the news. Get back with the news, and as always, we'll start with Ticket it or Skip It. This week, we have three trailers to discuss, the first being the very first trailer for Mary Queen of Scots. This one comes out in December of this year, starring uh, Cersei Ronan and Margot Robbie as the Queen of England and then the Queen of Scotland, mm-hmm. respectively, or... Yeah, is it Margot Robbie, Cersei Ronan? Yes, so right. yes, that was. I was like, wait, did, who, who whose name did I say first? Plus, I never know when what respectively means, but it means in the in, order. In the that order, you said. In, yes. Got so Margot Robbie plays the queen, Queen Elizabeth, Queen mm-hmm. of England, and then Cersei Ronan plays Mary Stuart, the Queen of Scotland. Got it. Um, I. Wasn't really. I was like, oh, okay, this is like you know, period piece drama. They're gunning for the Oscars. <laughs> yeah. Don't really care. Watched the trailer, and I was like, locked in. I was like. I was like, wait, the movie, the trailer, and I was like, oh my, wait, oh, mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to give it a ticket, uh, kind of surprisingly, because I just thought it was like really sucked me into this premise. And I was like, okay, I want to, I want to see this, this dueling former friendship turned rivalry of mm-hmm. trying to take control of England. And Cersei Ronan looks great, and Margot Robbie looks great in their performances. And I'm just like, I'm all here for it, and that totally surprised me. But. Uh, yeah, I really like this trailer. Yeah, I mean, it'll, uh, I thought it was just going to be another one of these. Um, uh, oh, it's kind of cute. The the people, the, the filmmakers in the UK are making a movie about their history. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. You know, I didn't have any attachment to it because um, Margaret uh, Robbie is Australian. Yes, and Cersei is from obviously Ireland mm-hmm. or somewhere in that area. Yes. Um. So I was like, okay, they're doing that whole thing. But like you said, as soon as they set the premise up of two sisters or relatives mm-hmm. somehow. Yeah. And they're friends at first, but then court intrigue and infighting split them up, lead to war. I'm like, this is, this is kind of games of thrones. Ian, I'm, I'm, I'm liking it. Right? And then Cersei is just pleading with, um, Marco Robbie there. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. Uh, I'm feeling it mm-hmm. and I'm giving it a ticket. Yeah. I, if, when this, pops up you know in indiana um in february may whatever uh <laughs> It'll I, I will, be before may <laughs> right i will be there for it for sure yeah i think the the moment that really caught me was 
they're 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 single they're like in like an attic or some like isolated room and they're just like talking to each other and yeah. Cersei's like remember if you kill me you kill the queen and she's like and then she also says like um you know, I'm not going to listen to my subordinate and then Margot just like fires back like you're subordinate mm-hmm. and I'm like dang the emotion takes the wig um, off and like just starts like crying she's like mm-hmm. you have it all I have nothing yeah basically like she there's like the mirrors of like Cersei runs having the child and that Marco Robbie wants to have a child. I don't know if it's because of the power dynamic or whatever. Um, but it, it, yeah, it looks much better than I kind of not say that I thought it was going to suck, but I just didn't think I would be interested in it. Yeah. And I'm all in for it. Mm-hmm. So, um, we also got our first trailer for goosebumps Two: the haunted Halloween. Did you see the first goosebumps with uh, Jack black? I have seen bits and pieces of it. Like, it was playing in a room and mm-hmm. I'd come in and out and do various tasks, but then I caught the ending. Um, that slappy gets re- right. returned to the book along with Jack Black. I think he goes inside of it too. Arl Stein um, gets sucked in. I don't remember. I just remember. Haunts. I just remember the 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 fake the make the, the oh. imaginary girl becomes real. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Or yeah, and then he gets sucked in. No, he doesn't get sucked. I don't remember. I don't remember. But All I know anyways. is Jack Black is not in this sequel, yes. which I'm kind of bummed about. But I, li- I I liked the first movie, and I liked this first trailer too. I think it looks has the same kind of tone okay. as the first movie did. Um, I like the young cast: Jeremy Ray Taylor from It. Mm-hmm. He was a scene scene in that movie, and then Madison Eisman, who's from Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle, yeah. and she's not in as much because it, she's the kid, and then she uh, you know it. She is the one actually that Jack Black pay, plays in the movie, so that's the, a funny connection. She's the young version of the girl that turns into Jack Black. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and so I'm excited to see more of her. And I mean, the premise is a little bit goofy, okay. um, but I don't know. I, there was a certain charm about the first movie. Maybe that was all because of Jack Black. I don't know. But I I like the the focus on just these youngsters getting caught up in this adventure these monsters that R.L. Mm-hmm. Stein created coming back to haunt the town. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in for it. I'll, I'll give it a ticket. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm torn here. Um, so I'm going to talk this out for a okay. minute and see if I can convince myself one way or another. Jeremy Ray Taylor being looking like the lead of mm-hmm. this thing, I'm there for that. Because like you said, uh, the scene stealer of it, adorable. Like, you know, I wish he was my son. All right. <laughs> and um, there's also Chris Parnell in here and um, Ken Jong. So wherever they pop up, whether I hope they're not voices. I my my probably got wants them to be real characters because that would be a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. If not, so be it. Slappy looks like the least creepy, creepy puppet that I've ever run across. So I think I could have some fun with that. Mm-hmm. But it looks like the same story that I saw with the first Goosebumps movie. The monsters come out of the book, and now the monsters are coming out of the book of this one, too. I mean, the, the trailer for this one, they the first 45-ish seconds is all footage from the first movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which I was like, I was like, okay, this is kind of weird. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I get why they would do it. But they didn't show any of the characters, so whatever. So, so I'm going to say skip it. Uh, I, I Maybe I can change my mind, mm-hmm. come around time, but I probably wouldn't see this movie over anything else that was playing at the theater well it comes out october 12th this year and it's so i think it puts it up against bad times uh the older a, a star is born yeah and uh 
uh, what's the mm-hmm. other one? Um, First Man. <laughs> so, <laughs> which I think two of those are definitely going to get kicked yeah. back. Two of those have to move, and then it'll be Goosebumps first. Some hopeful Oscar contender. I would assume it would be Bad Times because mm-hmm. Bad Times already moved from the fifth to the twelfth. I don't think they'll move again, and they'll let First Man and um, A Star Is Born go back to Oscar contention time. So, um, we are getting a. We also got another look at a simple favor this week. Yep. This is the first official trailer, which <laughs> uh, came after two teaser trailers. We talked about, I think, the very first teaser. We mm-hmm. didn't talk about the second one because it was just kind of more of the first. Where it's just like we don't still don't understand anything about the movie. It's like a recut. And this one, it's a full trailer. We get, I think, a lot more of the actual movie. We mm-hmm. get a lot more of the setup, a lot more of the intrigue. Uh, there's some Gone Girl type vibes coming out of this, um, coming from Paul Feig. And I like that he's taking this different direction. I think the trailer says from the darker side of yes, Paul Feig. Yes, dramatic, uh, yeah. dripping blood letters. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, dripping letters. It's, it's a little dramatic, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm here for it. I like the mystery. I want to see Anna Kendrick, Blake Lively, Linda Cardellini um, in these roles. Um, you know, we'll see how it all plays out together. I still, my bet is that you know Blake Lively is like some sort of secret assassin, and she's like on a mission or something. That's just the vibe I get from her character. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I'll still give her a ticket. I think I gave her a ticket based on the first one, so I'm not changing my stance. Okay, Josh, where do you land? I, I'm not changing my stance, but like you said, we got a better look at it and. I like this better look. The story is a lot more mm-hmm. complicated, I think, this time around. And um, we got a first look at Emily's husband, I guess, yeah. Henry Golding, mm-hmm. um, or played by Henry Golding. I don't know what his name is. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Emily's life is still up for debate. It looks like she's a YouTuber, social media personality, because mm-hmm. Anna Kendrick was standing in a kitchen in like a YouTube-like frame. So <laughs> like, okay, she's giving out, like, putting out the raising the flag of alarm for wherever Emily's whereabouts are or whatever the case is. But yeah, I mean, it looks like there's some plenty of wit um, and I'm just really intrigued. Yeah. So uh, we'll see how it all lays out. I hope, I hope it is as interesting as these trailers are making it appear. Cause agreed. I, I want Paul Feig to, Get back on everyone's good side. Right. And I mean, I liked Ghostbusters. You liked Ghostbusters as well? I did like Ghostbusters. Um, Spy, I thought was enjoyable. Mm -hmm. I think that was his last one. I didn't see The Heat, though, so I can't comment on that. Melissa McCarthy, Sandra Bullock team up. Oh, yeah, classic. uh, This one comes out September 14th this year, so it won't be too much longer before we can make up our minds about a simple favor. And moving on to the news, we got confirmations confirmation this week courtesy of the hot reporter that billy d williams i mean i can't talk anymore all of a sudden he will return as lando calrissian yes. for star wars episode yes, nine yes, yes. Uh, this has been heavily rumored for the last couple of weeks due to dropouts of comic cons or his mm-hmm. new diet plan um now that he's back what size of role do you think he will have uh limited but some of the best he'll have some of the best lines some like he'll have the most memorable moment of like joke, mm-hmm. like we'll be quoting whatever Billy D. Williams says in this movie for the next twenty years. Okay, guaranteed, because you you, you got to give him the best stuff. Uh, I mean, um, I think like uh, what do you think he's gonna be doing in this movie? I'm already yeah, I'm already speculating okay. about his role and like because of course I am. Yeah, but why not? He he's he's either gonna be the heavy artillery, he's gonna be the cavalry that saves the day, or he's gonna be the leader of. The resistance or the new republic, I think. Maybe taking over, taking over for Poe. 
Well, but maybe well, Poe's probably the general, but he's sort of like the diplomatic uh, oh, okay. suave. He's going to be wearing like some kind of interstellar top hat. Going to have a dope cape, obviously. And sweet, a cane for sure, mm-hmm. because Billy Dee Williams is rocking a cane in real life now. Um, and then he'll have some great banner with Chewie, a joke about the Falcon, and, you know, it'll all play right back into it. And then one last remembrance of Han, because these movies are basically everyone finding out Han is dead. <laughs> That's true. So, He'll show, he'll show up, well, I guess, I mean, the movie's going to pick up, we, we all assume, a couple years after the events of The Last Jedi. Yep. Do you think they even address that? I mean, unless he just shows up at right. some point in the movie for the first time. But if he's, like, answering, if he answered, like, the distress call or something from The Last Jedi, now mm-hmm. he's been with the Resistance for, like, three years. Good point. It's not going to be like, hey, guys, three-year anniversary when Han died. <laughs> it's right. like... Wait, why are you bring this up? Yeah, uh, that's actually a great point because it, it's really a one-two movie. Mm-hmm. And then with this gap, it's sort of to be like Han Solo sacrificed himself to try to save Ben. Luke sacrificed himself to save the Resistance. And now that's the story of... And now Lando sacrifices himself. Oh, no. Do you think Do you think he makes it out alive? I think he makes it out alive. So do I. I think, he's, I think he becomes the chancellor of the New Republic. I don't think there's any way Disney, J.J., Lucasfilm be like... All right, killed off Han Solo in episode mm. seven. <laughs> killed off Luke Skywalker, even though he's probably going to be back as episode nine as a Force Ghost. We all assume he will be. Right. Hasn't been confirmed yet. Uh, Carrie Fisher, General Leia, can unfortunately not be in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why you'd bring back the other big member of the original trilogy and then just be like, you're also dead. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it, it, I, that would just like, make a lot of fans very upset. Right. Not that you have to try to please fans of your movies, no. but it just feels like the wrong move to make if you're going to bring him back. Why do it just to kill him? Yeah, unless you have some really big... I mean, no one's been dying for a character change for Lando. Mm-hmm. And I don't think J.J. was someone who's like, let's let's go somewhere with Lando Calrissian right. in this movie. He'll stay very much the same. I can't see a sacrificial moment because it really doesn't spell anything out for us. No. But he'll just be like one last hit in the nostalgia bong. And mm-hmm. we'll all be like, yeah, man, that was great. That was a good time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's Billy D. Glad he's back. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like we've talked about it enough, though. I don't feel like I have any really new insights after no, it, three or four or five weeks of talking about this. Just go ahead and imagine all the great stuff that's going to come out of his sit-down interviews for these movies, because that, that's what's going to be the best. I don't even know if he would do press for this. I mean, oh, I, I, I'm assuming so he will do some, but I don't think he's going to do the whole world tour. No, he'll do the U.S. media circuit for sure. He'll do the premiere junket. That, that'd probably be it, I think. Mm-hmm. And then one really good sit-down interview with GQ. Yep, I don't go. think GQ's going to do a whole profile on Billy D. Yeah, well, yeah, they would. I mean, they did one on Ryan. They did one on Harrison. They did one on... Uh, I mean, they did the, one the, on The director, the star of the movie. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. If any... If any oh, Ryan Lando- Gosling. Sorry, that's what I meant to say. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. They, they go after it. They do. Eh, well, I don't know. I don't. How many people are really claiming for a Billy D. Williams GQ article at this point? I would read the heck out of it. Of course it. you would. You read any GQ article. <laughs> no, I read any profile of any actor. Um, moving on, though, we also got casting news for Frozen 2 movie we've never talked about on the podcast as far as my knowledge goes yeah that's true um i like the first frozen i think mm-hmm. it's pretty charming variety report this week that evan rachel wood and sterling k brown are joining the existing voice cast of Kristen bell adina menzel and josh gad uh there's been speculation that evan rachel wood is playing another queen of some sort, of like another country or city or something and that sterling k brown would probably be the villain of the movie Ooh. either way I'm happy to see both of them getting into the Disney family. I mean, Sterling K. Brown is already in there, but Evan Rachel Wood kind of graduating from Westworld, even though she's still part of that that show, 
getting involved in movies, I think points to hopefully a future on the big screen with her as well. Yeah, her career is finally like not taking off because she's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. But finally get paid what she's probably been worth for a long time now. So, um, yeah, it is super exciting. Uh, and, yeah, Frozen. I mean, who doesn't love Frozen? Yeah. It was like one of those things because it was like literally – it was one of the worst winters we've been having, like out here in the Midwest when mm-hmm. Frozen came out. So like it was a great memeable joke for everybody to like go We're see all related this movie. To, yeah. yeah. And then it was like a warm your heart kind of story. Olaf is Josh Gad's Olaf was sweet and uh who Sterling depending on who Sterling K. Brown is, he could make us cry in this movie too. I don't know. <laughs> um but yes, I'm excited for it. Um but Disney was also making moves this week on the release calendar. As they made a bunch of different moves, they moved up Mary Poppins Returns one week, so it's not competing against like Bumblebee, Aquaman, uh, Holmes and Watson. Uh, very busy weekend there. Indiana Jones Five was delayed a, f- a full year officially. We talked about it a week or two ago. Jake Cass is coming on to, uh, or John Cass is coming on to rewrite the script, yep. and that's been made official. Now that they've delayed the movie from July 2020 to July 9th, 2021. Uh, still expected that Steven Spielberg and Harrison Ford are going to still be involved in the movie. Then they also officially did The Rock's Jungle Cruise for October 11th, 2019, and as well as gave Maleficent 2 a May 29th, 2020 release date. Um, which of those three kind of stick out to you the most? I mean, Indiana Jones, I'm still not over it. I mean, Maleficent, is the first one is great. You know, it's coming soon. It's in the production. It's got mm-hmm. a release date. It's casting. It's already it's cast. Already, it's filming. It's filming. Man, that's gonna it's, be it's in the going. can for a long yeah. time. That's wild. That's kind of that's maybe the most surprising because like I feel like this one could have easily been out like sometime 2019, but mm-hmm. Disney's 2019 slate's already <laughs> right. pretty pretty packed. So I like, I guess I understand why they would wait till 2020. And then Jungle Cruise, we've known that's been gearing up, and yeah, so it landed yeah, there. Is that that's surprise. also filming currently, so it's it's more like. You're not going to hold on to a rock movie for like a year and a half. Right. Like you're going to oh capitalize while it's hot. Can you imagine like the lead times with these movies now? Are they ever going to have a terrible film again? Disney? Yeah. Man. Because um, I mean, if maybe, you have... maybe Nutcracker. That one, which is weird. They put that new trailer out in front of Ant-Man and the Wasp last mm-hmm. week. Yeah. Haven't released it online yet. I've seen it twice in theaters because it played in front of Skyscraper. It's a better trailer. Still not sold in that movie though. No, but it went through reshoots. Like well, you could... It's not gonna get. A, they're not gonna have a terribly reviewed movie in forever because they are these lead times and yeah. all of this stuff. They're gonna do reshoots well, until I they mean, get it right. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, Solo didn't get the best reviews, but no. But I think that was the best version <laughs> of that Ron Howard movie. Maybe, that they were maybe gonna make. that's different. Um, it's, it's the same but different. They also moved a mysterious Marvel movie up from July 2021 to February 12th, 2021. Uh, my gut is this is Black Panther two. They're just putting that stamp out there early. Ryan Coogler has already signed on in secret. Bozeman's coming back in secret. I mean, not in secret. He's obviously coming back for the sequel. Yeah. Um, but that's just where my gut tells me that they're going to... I mean, they it made $1.2, $1.3 billion in February. Mm-hmm. Don't mess with that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, yeah. you stick, you stay there, you make another billion dollars in three years, and uh, can't wait for Black Panther 2. So, um, if it's not Black Panther 2, it could be maybe Black Widow, because mm. now officially has a director. So maybe that's why they're moving release dates around, kind of state claim for Black Widow, as THR confirmed this week that Kate Shortland will indeed direct the movie, as has been rumored for weeks. Uh, Shortland will now be the very first female to direct 
an MCU movie by herself yep. after Anna Bowden is co-directing with Ryan Fleck on Captain Marvel. And even though it would have happened in 2013 with Thor The Dark World if Patty Jenkins had stayed on to direct that movie instead. But Kate Shortland, Black Widow, we've talked we talked about it last week because she's still the front runner. Uh, I had seen Berlin Syndrome at that point. Have you had a chance to check out her movie or anything yet? I haven't gotten to Berlin Syndrome yet, um, but it's in my Netflix queue. Okay. I'm, I'm going to get there, but again, still, the, the images look great, <laughs> and I'm still taking your word on it, um, but I will definitely have that scene before- By the time it hits theaters? By the time this movie <laughs> hits theaters. That'll be an expert on kate shortland You'll, i can yeah. guarantee you probably have about two years to see it. i mean it's probably not, it's not coming out next year obviously it's going to start right. filming early 2019 or yeah. mid spring sometime 2019 There's probably about 2020 they still have the july 31st 2020 release date yep. right yep. that i mean that that's kind of, that screams black widow yeah it's summer action spy mm-hmm. thriller type of a film depending yeah. on what they get out it'd be um like a month and a half after when like Wonder Woman hit theaters mm-hmm. last year, and that movie did gangbusters at the box office, so I don't know why Marvel wouldn't. I mean, it's going to make money whenever, as long as it's a good movie. Um, so, yeah, I, but I, I think July thirty first is what you said, right? Yep, I think that makes all the sense. Unless Eternals picks up really quick and Duncan Jones is hired on to direct that or something, and then uh, that takes Do you July. Think that's what he's teasing. I don't. But that was like if he's if it's a big movie, mm-hmm. that's the one I think that just that fits that or Gambit. So uh, we'll see we'll see what happens. I would not be shocked if that was him though. Um, but sticking with the MCU, I think a movie that would be cool if maybe she cameoed in was Spider Man Far From Home. Ooh. Get a little spy espionage stuff going worldwide. Yeah, as Peter Parker will be doing in that movie. And Deadline reported this week that comedian JB Smoove is joining the film. Uh, there's no concrete details on his role other than he's a lead of the ensemble, um, which already has, you know, obviously Tom Holland, Marissa Tomei, Zendaya, Jacob mm-hmm. Batalone, Tony Revolori, Michael Keaton, and Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. So a lot of cast members already. J.B. Smoove coming in here. You have any thoughts on maybe where he's going to fit, what role he's going to play? I have none whatsoever. But, I mean, he's is Peter Parker in school this time around? I think he's technically on summer vacation, is what Kevin Feige said. So, I mean, I have no idea what he would be, other than maybe a villain. Mm -hmm. But he's he's a comedian by training, by nature, by career. And I feel like that's going to be his role. So could he be Spider-Man's sidekick somehow? Mm. I can't see him in a villain role. Probably not. I really can't. Really? I I, I can see one. one that The one that leapt out to me the first was Chameleon. Ooh. Because it would give JB Smoove the ability to play a bunch of different kind of personalities and characters, <gasps> and I think he could really do some really fun with that. Um, I think that I think Camille was at one point rumored to be part of Silver and Black, but I don't even know if that movie's happening anymore. Yeah. So Marvel may have just plucked that character, put him in Spider-Man: Far From Home, used him there, cast JB Smoove, um, and I think I think that'd probably be the best fit for JB. Um, especially if it's some sort of a lead ensemble, because then he could be part of like uh, yes. Mysterio's crew or something like Mysterio's magical powers, quote unquote, mm-hmm. with chameleons, shape shifting, disguises. I think would create some really fun dynamics in Spider Man Far From Home. Yeah, um, absolutely. If it's not that, oh. okay, go ahead. No, I was just going to riff off of how I mean, if you've, if you've seen JB's 
stand up mm-hmm. or him in late night interviews or anything like that. Um, there's one with Seth Meyers where he's looking dapper AF and uh, he just going through um, old sketches that he used to pitch when he was a writer there. Uh, you're like, yeah, this guy, I mean, this guy could do it. But mm-hmm. go ahead. Who's this other guy you got? The other suggestion I've seen a lot. JJJ, J. Jordan Jameson. <gasps> can you picture him yelling, Yes. <laughs> yes. I can. Absolutely. That would be awesome, too. Um, but what would JJ be the head of? I don't know. That's what I was trying to. I mean, I like he's the not fit. In New York, but he'd um, be perfect for it. But like maybe they reinvent the Daily Bugle since, you know, print. Mm-hmm. You know, journalism isn't as popular as it was in the early 2000s. Right. Uh, maybe it's like a blog. And, uh, you know, he's like a European blog and it's not the Daily Bugle. It's uh, something else. Um, yeah, I could get behind, I could really get behind that, especially if you gave him like a, a kind of like a wig that sort of somewhat resembled it. Oh, no, I just want the mustache, the mustache and just yelling at Peter oh, Parker. Oh, man. It would be, I think it would be a lot of fun. I would be here for that, too. Um, but chameleons, personally, I think the choice I want, I would like to see him go. That would be great. So, but he may not even be the only person who joined Spider-Man Far From Home this week as Samuel L. Jackson stirred up some rumors this week by posting on his Instagram some photos of Nick Fury's uh, facial hair, the eye patch, and then him with the scars. Mm-hmm. Signaling that he is filming something as Nick Fury in the present day, so it's not Captain Marvel, which is wrapped filming. Yeah, and he his location was tagged as somewhere in, is like I don't remember what exact city it was in England, but it's somewhere like an hour away from where Far From Home was last seen filming. So Nick Fury is he going to be in Spider Man Far From Home? Would that be a good fit? Yes, because this is I mean they're got to reestablish the world after. Mm-hmm whatever happens in Avengers four, um, which you can check out our theories on what we think happens on last week's big question. Yes. And someone's got to dump Peter Parker off and, <laughs> or, you know, look at Peter Parker and say, Hey kid, keep a low profile, whatever. Go, go, have, go have a nice summer vacation type of a deal. Don't mess with anything while we fix, stitch the world back together mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, and yeah, that would make sense for him to be like, I'm your new mentor now. Tony Stark is dead. The end. <laughs> type That's of thing. exactly how you would say it. Well, yeah, no right? sympathy. <laughs> uh, plus, we haven't seen these two together yet, mm-hmm. and Peter Parker needs to interact with every Avenger um, before they go away. Yeah, because you know it's gold it's every Spider-Man. time. It, yeah, exactly. Got to happen. What uh, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I think he is going to be in Far From Home. I think it makes sense, um, especially as Spider Man is one of like the new faces of the MCU after Avengers four kind of have to have some connection with Nick Fury. It wouldn't even shock me if like Peter was just on this mission, this like not mission trip, this like school trip, going exploring Europe, having fun, looking at art or whatever. And then Nick Fury like drops by one day and he's like, Hey kid. So, uh, pretty crazy stuff, right? You just, you know, you just defeated Thanos. Thank, thank goodness. Right. Um, by the way, since you're already over here, can you uh, maybe track down this Mysterio guy and mm-hmm. like maybe that's how he gets involved and that's why Peter's like starts globe trotting is because he's like trying to get in good with Shield or maybe even Nick Fury and Shield have like something like they're like you're under our control, Peter. Like you, yeah. the the world is different now after Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Four. We have full authority on all supers. You must do what we do, and so. 
go go find Mysterio. And they play with that angle or something. But, yeah, I think we will get Sam Jackson in Far From Home. Awesome. I hope so, too. But this week, EW unloaded a bunch of first-look images at a bunch of upcoming movies, uh, mainly all from next year or late this year. Mm-hmm. And one of them just so happens to have Samuel Jackson in it, Glass, the sequel to Unbreakable and Split. We got our first images this week after we got a teaser post a couple weeks ago. The movie's going to be at Comic-Con this coming weekend. And we got uh, four four images, I believe. Five. Five images. One of Glass, Crumb, and Dunn all together in some sort of interrogation uh so a psychiatrist room. Yeah, it looks like a health ward of some sorts. Uh, one of them is Samuel Jackson's uh, Elijah Price, Mr. Glass, mm-hmm. sitting in his wheelchair, looking dapper as ever. And then we got Sarah Paulson kind of walking in as her psychiatric self. Yep. And then we got uh, Anya Taylor-Joy as Casey Cook talking with, uh, what's his name, Crumb. Yep. Don't know what's going on there. And then we also had one of Bruce Willis and M. Night on set together. So, a bunch of different first look images. Which ones stuck out to you the most? Anything you're pulling from these? Uh, looks like M. Night Shyamalan is back to like his best. It really, really does. Um, I don't know. Shoot, I don't know the cinematographer on this movie. Uh, look it up, please. I don't know. Can you? I don't know. But anyway, this aesthetic is everything here there's these purple hues thrown up inside of that hospital um sarah paulson is like kind of like shaded in them when she's in her image it looks like she's walking into that first room Mm -hmm. and i think that's her sitting at the edge of the frame on the right uh so it's it almost kind of feels like it's going to be an after the fact film uh, in a lot of ways like something big went down and we're just kind of like sifting through Mm -hmm. it and then we'll get a lead up um, into things. Bruce Willis looks like he's in a courtroom, I think. I don't know. Wait, when he's, when he's with M. Night? Yeah. Oh, no, it looks like I think it's like a diner or something. Okay, yeah. It's, yeah he's got a drink in front of him. I just look at that right there. <laughs> well, anyway. Um, uh, it, I don't know. I'm just so hyped for this. And Split was good. Like, Split it was, was great. Yeah. It, it, it surprised me that I enjoyed it because I was like, all right, well, let's just see what happens here. And then we get blown away mm-hmm. by the dude's performance. And now I'm like, Unbreakable was good too, mm-hmm. but now I'm just so hyped for yeah. a sequel to these movies, and uh, it just looks really cool. So um, I'm here for it. Yeah, the cinematographer is Mike Gialakis. Okay, I have not heard him for this He name. did Splits, he did It Follows... Um, I feel like it's a combination of both of them because there's like some neon, bright color hues mm-hmm. in the stuff for Glass so far, which aren't in Split because it's very kind of gray, black, white sort of looking movie. Yeah. And uh, It Follows has kind of those neon tints to it. But um, yeah, I, I'm very interested by kind of the premises these kind of images kind of set up. Um, the teases that were in the EW article, um, James McAvoy teased getting to meet some of the new personalities oh, yes. within Kevin Crumb, right? It's Kevin. Kevin yep, Crumb. Kevin. Um, so I'm very excited to see those and see him play more as long as we get more of uh, the one, ugh, the, the kid. I always forget his name. Why do I forget the, the five-year-old self? Oh, I can't remember. I want to say Patrick. <sighs> no, I don't remember what it is and it's going to bug me. Phil. But it, no, because it's like a really clever, like funny name. Um, either way, I'm interested to see why 
or how all three of these personalities got in a room together. Um, Bruce Willis in particular looks a little worse for the wear. Like he hasn't, got a beard like he hasn't shaved. It looks like, I mean, he's restrained. Meanwhile, Crumb is just sitting there free as a bird. He's moving around and all this stuff. You have the name pulled up? Hedwig. Hedwig, yes. Yeah. Gosh, it always, I'm like, I oh, love that name. And then every time I would mention it, it just leaves my mind. Um, and yeah, Sarah Paulson coming off her from Ocean's 8. Mm-hmm. I, she thought, I think she's so great in that movie that seeing her in a little bit of a different role, I'm very excited to see her in. And uh, yeah, then figuring out why Anya Taylor-Joy comes back into the mix and, lo- and is like very, very personal and close with Crumb, I think is very interesting. Yeah, she's like the only one that's like survived. Yeah. So maybe they're like, what do you know about this guy? Tell us. But they're like they're like right there. Like she's touching his face. Yeah, yeah it's like I mean, calm I feel, down, I feel, Kevin. I feel like you'd be like very uneasy about going back into contact with somebody who uh, almost, tried to kill you. Yeah, almost murdered you. Yep. <laughs> so uh, very interesting. Uh, we'll talk. I we're going to do a kind of Comic Con preview for our mm-hmm. big episode this week, and we will definitely be talking about class again. In that comes out January eighteenth of next year, but. Kind of the big photo of the week was the first official image from Shazam that included Zachary Levi in the costume, as well as Jack Dylan Grazer standing next to him as Freddie Freeman. We've seen the leaked photos. We've talked about the leaked photos. Now that it's like official, it's out there. I'm not really sure if this is an actual still from the movie or if this is just a production still. It looks more like just a, hey, let's, let's take a photo of this real quick. Either way, I like the suit. I like the vibe it's sending off of them like, Walking out of the gas station, just have a twelve pack of cola and mm-hmm. drinking it. It's like it looks just like twelve a twelve year old and then a twelve year old in a thirty five man's body, yeah, uh, doing shenanigans. And I'm I'm here for it. Right. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. And it's definitely a you know production still because they're not ever going to be on screen at the same time. Right? Well, that uh, for Asher Angel, yes, but that's Jack Dylan Grazer from It, who plays uh, Billy Batson's best friend. Oh. I did not know that. I thought yes. that was Billy Bats. Okay, no. I did not know that was Asher. It was I not thought, I Asher thought this, Angel. I thought the same thing at first, and I was like, oh, wait, he has a cane. Oh, wait, that's Jack Dylan Grazer. Oh, okay. got it. No, yeah, that's awesome then, because he could probably just like, yeah, the things that those two kids are going to get up to kind of just spit off some exciting stuff. Um, this wasn't the still I thought you were going to say, but uh, yes, I did enjoy this one. Is there um, another Shazam still out there? No, there's not another Shazam. Oh, okay. Still You're talking about there. the other DC one. I'm no, I'm talking about a completely different franchise oh. that we got this week. Okay. I'm way more hyped about. Okay, we'll we'll get to that. As much as I am hyped about this frame, like I liked it. Okay. It was great. It means a lot, but it's not what I thought you were going to okay. say. Okay. Did you get more hyped than by the fact that Jimon Hansu joined the cast this week, as was also announced by EW. He is playing the role of the wizard, who previously we were thought was going to be played by Ron Sivas Jones, but due to scheduling, I think because of This Is Us season three, uh, he could not actually you know do filming on the movie. So Jimon Hansu steps in to play the mentory figure that gives Billy Batson his new Shazam powers. Um, I'm a huge Hansu fan, mm-hmm. so him and anything yeah. is great news. And so it just made me even more excited to see Shazam. Great. Yeah, same here. I mean, I, I've, I've liked Hansu more than uh, Tifus Jones. Yeah. Um, he's fine in This Is Us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he's got me, but he, people have given him primetime Emmys for things in his career. But I think Hansu was like, is a better pick. Yeah. I, I know him. Also, when I see his face, I'm like, that guy. Yeah, exactly. So, 
Uh, I think it'll be a lot more fun. But that wasn't the only DC role that Hansu snagged this week, as he also was revealed to right. be playing a character in Aquaman. Not the same character. He'll be instead of playing the Fisherman King, and it was revealed that he'll be playing that character by showing off a still from the movie, showing the Fisherman King, the Fisherman Queen, the princess, all in their underwater habitats, mm-hmm. and uh, looks uh, looks pretty good. Yeah, I it. I was kind of like, huh, interesting. And then I kind of blew the image up. I'm like, oh, no, this is not bad at all. Because mm-hmm. it looked like just green amorphous blobs for, right. <laughs> for in the in the image preview on my phone. And then I pulled it up on my screen and I was like, oh, yeah. It, it, again, it looks like one has struck this perfect balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, of just marrying weird with practical or, you know, like, or down to earth type of a stuff okay, yeah. into this. And I am not, I'm not like, well, that's dumb. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's very cool. I believe that thing could walk out of the ocean and like, you know, carry me off. Well, it doesn't have legs, so it couldn't walk. Oh, that's a good it's point. Got a fish tail. Well, you know, Will Ferrell would say that it would create <laughs> uh, breathing apparatuses. That's true. And then- <laughs> Climb of the ocean, freaking eat you. Um, um, but it looks really good. Yeah. I, I'm, not surprised or anything, but we've had those kind of, it's Star Wars underwater kind mm-hmm. of catchphrase kind of thrown out there a lot recently. And I feel like this kind of lives up to that where it's, it's one is creating this this vast um, mythology, this world um, that I think really, really is going to uh, show up on, uh, on the big screen. Hopefully once the trailer comes out next week, we'll have a better look at all this stuff in action. So, um, we also, again, moving on to first look images, Bumblebee, EW revealed that Angela Bassett and Justin Thoreau have joined the cast, and they are playing the two kind of lead Decepticons in the movie. Angela Bassett is voicing Shatter, and Thoreau is voicing Dropkick, and Ooh. then there's still a third villain that the voice actor has not been announced for, but I'm pretty sure we saw the villain in the first trailer. There's that flying Decepticon, and both of Angela Bassett and Justin Thoreau's characters look like they're driving vehicles so Mm -hmm. unless they morph into another vehicle at a different point in the movie i assume we've already seen the third villain but we just don't know who that is at this point but angela bassett justin throw joined the cast yep i'm all here for it for sure and then i think by the time i see mission impossible fallout and she's like been reestablished as the villain i'm not really the villain i think henry cavill's kind of the villain or the side villain of that movie Mm-hmm. but it'll even be even more ominous. So I'm ready. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I doubt we'll get a trailer for this at Comic-Con, but we'll, we'll see. We'll talk about it. Um, I, I assume the image you're talking about yes. earlier was for Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Mm-hmm. We got two photos, Curse of VW. One of Godzilla spitting out some atomic breath, lighting up the sky in this yes. epic fashion. And the other <sighs> of Millie Bobby Brown and Vera Farmiga, just standing there yes. in winter coats with some scientist guys running behind them and they're looking up at something. Not at Godzilla doing this incredibly cool act, right? Um, but something else entirely. There's other details we'll talk about, but you're very excited about this. Yeah, because it looks incredible. This is, there is an aesthetic. I mean, like this is just, this looks, does not look at all like what Gareth Edwards did. And I love it for that reason. Mm-hmm. Gareth Edwards definitely gave us like a grounded, more human look at Godzilla this time around. We're getting macular this time. And 
this blue image with his atomic breath being spit to the sky, um, like a flare of volcano erupting, <laughs> you know, out in the middle of the ocean is epic. Uh, of course, yes, Millie Bobby Brown and um, Vera Farmiga look great. Probably, probably uncovered Rodon in that one. Uh, not Rodon. Yeah. Um, or Mothra, sorry. Something. Some other monster that they're like kind of looking at frozen in ice. And they're like, whoa, what is this? And then, of course, they break it out because they're dumb. Yep, exactly. Or maybe not them, but the mysterious organization that's kidnapped them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably the dumb ones. So, um, yeah, I mean, I like the images. I like the, like the look of it. And... Uh, yeah, we got got some got some teases. Um, speaking of the kind of the different aesthetic, yeah, that uh, director Michael Dougherty yep. is bringing. You you've seen Krampus. Mm-hmm. You liked Krampus. Krampus is like a fun Christmas killer movie. Is it, it like Dwight Schrute's like perfect? Like yes, Krampus. Yeah, oh. this is this is what I want. <laughs> I don't know if it's exactly like that. Okay, <laughs> but it's it's not kitschy i mean it's not like wink wink we know this is a bad horror movie type deal or whatever i mean Mm -hmm. it's not bad right yeah yeah yeah. but we know um it's it's got drama but very much like i'm these are this blue this kind of um green bluish hue Mm -hmm. that he's got right here definitely feels like it's being borrowed from that film because it means the middle of winter right those cold frames Mm -hmm. um it's sort of like keeping the it's sort of like the shinings um kind of color palette and mood ported to a christmas horror movie okay Okay. i think that's i think that's how i would describe it um and so if this kind of continues because it looks like we're fighting out in the arctic ocean Mm -hmm. here uh i am um, yeah, this is going to be great. Well, and Dowertree kind of said, he said, don't want to give away too much, but this moment is sort of a call, to, a call of arms. Yeah. Um, which insinuates that Godzilla is asking for help. Right. It, is Rodan or Mothra or King Gyora? Yeah, G-H-D-O-R-A. I don't forget how to I think I could spell it, but I don't have it in front of me, so... The, right. the three-headed dragon. Yes. Mm-hmm. Call it that instead. Um, that they're coming to help Godzilla? All, all three of them? Right. Gets another threat? Or is it like, all right, well, Mothra and Rodan are coming, and then they're all going to fight the yeah, dragon see, together. that's what I don't know. My, my gut, because King, um, whatever his name is, <laughs> G, Jidora, I'm going to say Jidora. Okay. Jidora. Sounds right. Like, I mean, it's called Godzilla King of the Monsters, first mm-hmm. of all. So that implies there's something below him. And, like, you could argue, yeah, he's going to just kill all the really other big monsters, and that makes him king because he's mm-hmm. the one that's surviving. But you don't say call to arms unless, you know, you're summoning somebody. Right. And you're setting up the nuclear uh, beam, or the mm-hmm. nuclear signal, or whatever the case right. is. Um, or it could just be, like, I got my butt kicked by Mothra, and now I'm not going to let it happen again type of a deal. Mm-hmm. So it could be that, too. Uh, but it's just really interesting that he would say, I don't want to give too much away. Right. So he's being cagey, and I think and he, that means a team-up of some sort. Yeah, and he teased. He's like, oh, I'm a huge fan of Rodan. And he, you know, he's kind of been a sidekick before, not in this movie. So I feel like, if anything, it'll be Rodan and Godzilla versus Mothra and the three-headed dragon. So uh, but as far as character stuff or plot stuff we got from the EW article, uh, they revealed Farmiga is playing Dr. Emma Russell, who works for Monarch. Millie Bobby Brown is playing her daughter, Madison. Both of them get kidnapped by a different mysterious organization who are hunting down the monsters for their own evil deeds. Um, and then Kyle Chandler, 
plays Mark Russell, the ex-husband of Farmiga and father to Brown. And then he is on a rescue mission to kind of save them along with Ken Watanabe and Sally Hawkins. So I'm interested to just kind of see how that plays out. I don't love the idea of them being like, here's Miller Rod Brown and Vera Farmiga, but they're just like kidnapped. They don't have anything to do. And it's like, but here's Kyle. I'm a huge fan of Kyle Chandler, mm-hmm. but I don't want to just be like, Oh, here it's Kyle Chandler's here to rescue everybody. And then they don't, they don't get to do anything. Right. Um, I feel like they won't do that, but that is kind of how it reads as far as in terms of right now. Mm-hmm. Um, which concerns me a little bit, but nothing major. Yeah, they're going to keep it grounded. Like, yeah, it looks like they're still going to keep that grounded thread. Mm-hmm. It's like, here's a family story. Here's Godzilla wreaking havoc. Right. So they want to have like a human. Yeah. Yeah. And a more, they want to have, you want to be able to identify emotionally with somebody other than Godzilla mm-hmm. who uh, I will still identify with more so, <laughs> but yeah. Um, however that plays out. So be it. But oh, also, this is kind of like confirmation. That's Millie Bobby Brown's real hair. So yeah, I mean, it's just like it's just funny to see her not with that Jerry curl wig yeah, or whatever exactly. they gave her in. Uh, in season things. two of Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he also teased that there will be some seeds or breadcrumbs to the eventual Godzilla versus King Kong mm-hmm. team up versus movie. However, it shakes out. Um, I don't think it'll be anything major. I don't think the cold arms and all of a sudden Godzilla or Kong's going to show up and be like, oh my gosh, rip somebody up. We're getting it early. Yeah. No, that's not happening. But we'll get something. Mm-hmm. So um, we also have casting news for that movie with Denai Guerrero, according to Deadline, being in talks to join the movie. She is, would be the first new addition to the cast outside of Julian Dennison, who joined a couple of months ago. This one is directed by Adam Wingard. Comes out and in 2020. Denai Guerrero making that jump from Walking Dead broke out really big with uh, Black Panther as Okoye. I would assume she'll be in Avengers 4 in some capacity since Okoye is still around. Yep. But now she's moving on to bigger things. Godzilla vs. Kong. You excited? It's the showdown of the century. Or the, it'll be the showdown of the new decade since it's technically starting 2020 off. Unless 2020 is not the start in 2021 is the start of the new decade, whatever the case is. <laughs> yeah, she she is terrific. She has been underrated on The Walking Dead for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a fantastic performer. And like you said, yeah, ready to move on to bigger and better things. The Walking Dead is winding down. They're yeah. ready to kill Rick, allegedly. Mm-hmm. So, well, not allegedly. They're killing, or, I mean, I don't know if they're killing him. Confirmed? He is, he is leaving the show. Lincoln has said, I'm done. Yeah, he's only going to be in like six episodes in season nine. Really? And then he's out. All right. Well, there you have it then. So that means, or unless Denai is going to take center stage, or Daryl. I think I think Daryl's the one that was rumored to be like, all right. Well, we can't lose Norman and Lincoln. Mm-hmm. So Norman here's like twenty million dollars an episode. You yep. have to stay. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's some crazy cash. TV people make so much money. I it's know. Crazy. Well, I know, but th- this product, th- that series, oh, costs so much more. I don't know how you could pay. Or, okay, cable TV does not make sense. No. at all. HBO makes even less sense. <laughs> uh, point being, though, uh, maybe she moves into a secondary position. So it's her and mm-hmm. um, Norman Reedus. That would be kind of cool. But she's definitely not letting her career. No, she is be capitalizing AMC's future. Yeah. yeah, and I mean maybe that signals an end for her for Michonne as well in Walking Dead. Fine with that. I stopped watching the show like two seasons ago. I don't remember. Whenever they uh, got to Sanctuary. Yeah, I think I stayed for their conquering of it and then fell off because it's like I, same thing every single week. Mm-hmm. Um, but further signal that she may be ready to move on is a 
another nugget from that deadline article that she is also apparently being eyed for a role in Star Trek four. Uh, there are no details on what role she would be other than that hashtag show following up and saying that there is a lead villain role and then another lead kind of crew member role that are both up for grabs for females. Is there a specific one you think career would be better fit for? Should she actually join this movie? She should definitely join Star Trek four. I would love to have her in there or the next Star Trek, the Star Trek that is currently being, well, which one? There's two. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, this one sounds more close to their casting. They've got a director on this yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, well, the other one technically does if you think Quentin Tarantino is actually going to direct a Star Trek movie. No, which doesn't sound like he will. He's going to write it and then leave it and say his vision was compromised or something right. like that. So the, the or it will never happen. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I would love to see her in either role. I haven't seen her as a villain Mm-mm. yet. So that would be that's really one that kind of sticks cool out to, to me. See out. But if Star Trek's going to live beyond four and do five and six, which would be wild. Um, yeah. Seeing as like box office for beyond just barely justifies another one. Yeah. If it does at all. <laughs> uh, yeah. So either way, I would love to have her set up to be something more or to mm-hmm. keep going. Because man, beyond really wasn't that bad. Beyond was great. It was, it's so underrated. It's the, it's the, I think it's, it's the OG by Abrams. Yeah. And then there's Beyond. Mm-hmm. And then you can put... Uh, so, uh, man, people don't understand. It's... it's Yeah. I But yes, I I think I would choose if I was like in charge of casting, which obviously I'm not. Depending on what the role demands, I feel like her as a villain would be something really cool. Um, at least in this current iteration of Star Trek, I've not seen like anything else outside of the J.J. Abrams reboot and on. Um but we haven't had a female villain yet in a Star Trek movie, unless you count Sophie Batella as like a semi-villain for like the first five minutes you see her. <laughs> and she's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm with you guys. It's, it's cool. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I think that makes sense. S.J. Clarkson's directing. She'll be the first female director on the yep. movie, um, or at least in this iteration. Again, I'm not, I think it's the entire series, uh, at least on the big screen, but I, I'm not sure about that. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Greer joined Chris Hemsworth, is coming in for this movie. He's back from the dead somehow. Uh, and then Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto are expected to be back. I mean, as well as like, you know, John Cho, Zoe Saldana, Carl Urban. Um, I think Denai would be a really cool villain to bring into Star Trek. So, I mean, but if not, and she's a crew member, now she's here for five and six. Yeah. And she's like, takes over for like, uh, she's like the new like Yelchin role. Like that now that Anton <sighs> Yelchin's no longer with us, breaks our hearts every time. Mm-hmm. Remember it. But, uh, oh yeah, they, they, they have they have they have to fill that role somehow, um, unless it's Jayla, which I'm totally fine with. Sophie Patella takes on a bigger role. Denai Gabriel takes on a bigger role, and I, I mean Jayla. Yeah, that, that that's her name, Jayla. Oh, I thought you meant Jayla. I mean, I'm like hey, Jennifer I'll take, Lawrence I'll take that. in Star Trek. Okay, I'll take gotcha, that too. Gotcha, gotcha. If you give me Jayla on Star Trek, I'm all here for it. It would just be it would just be really great to have Denai Guerrera. Um, sitting above Captain Kirk and then throwing like a, a shade stare at oh, him yeah. after some kind of or, order or command. <laughs> so this the, the side eye would be epic and be gif for millennia. Absolutely. Um, so we can we can wish. Um, and we're gonna end here with two sequels that have kind of long been awaited surprised announcements this week. Um, the first one coming from Deadline when they broke the news that Neil Blomkamp is going to direct a direct sequel to the 1987 RoboCop titled RoboCop Returns. The original movie starred Peter Weller, uh, who's still alive, so he could still come back for this 
reboot, sequel, remix, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he also starred in a previous RoboCop 2 that came out like 91. That is going to be scratched from canon. And there was also a, a RoboCop 3 that starred Robert John Burke that is also going to be scratched from canon. As well it. as you know, there's the Joel Edgerton, or not Joel Edgerton. That would have been great. Joel Kinnaman reboot from 20 like 13 or 14 yep with michael uh, keaton too michael keaton and gary oldman samuel jackson it's got right. a really good cast um and i think the movie's okay actually but they're rebooting it neil blomkamp's taking over um i'm here for that i huge fan of neil blomkamp i want to see more from him he's got that greenland movie or whatever that disaster movie with chris evans he's also supposedly been working on Whichever comes first, I don't really care. Um, I just want to see another Neil Blomkamp movie because it's been a while. And Chappie is okay. I like it Chappie's enough. Fine. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, District 9, I love. And mm-hmm. I think Elysium is vastly underrated. So, uh, him coming in for Robocop Returns, I'm here for it. He's a great world builder. He knows nuances. He's able mm-hmm. to play with that and pit it all together. I just... If I was re-bringing RoboCop back for this day and age, I wouldn't have picked him. Who would you, who would you go with instead? I, I mean, he's he's doing it, so I don't. I, yeah, but you know, if you're I a would, studio head, I would have. If I was a studio, if I was at MGM, I would have shelled out fifty million dollars to bring Ryan Coogler in oh and my run goodness. RoboCop. Uh, because it, I I just don't think it's a story that Neil Blomkamp should have. Why? I don't know. I mean, I mean, I do know. Um, but I'm thinking just sort of. Um, whose vision and ideas oh, okay. should come into this story? Um, I think I'm thinking of Fruitville Station in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to bring back a high tech RoboCop um, who has questionable methods about doing things, I mean, you, I think the, the the play there would be a lot cooler. But I like Blancamp mm-hmm. District Nine, fantastic Elysium, like you said, highly underrated. I can't believe it's whatever its rating is. I know, I know it's low and people yeah. are like, this is dumb. Like, no, it's, it's bash you over the head with its political concepts. It's like, like, it blew like, my mind. In the like theater. it's so good. Yeah. It blew my mind. I was like, wow. Long haired Diego Luna. It's unrecognizable. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with this stuff too. But as my, my gut reaction was like, uh, this is going to be tricky. Well, but if there's a guy out there that's not Ryan Coogler, to do it, mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's Neil. Listen, if you're a studio head, you say, "Hey, do you want Ryan Coogler or Neil Blomkamp?" Ryan- I'm not going to say no to Ryan Coogler, <laughs> right? But he's I'd busy. rather him do Black Panther two, uh, Creed sure. four, uh, his uh, courtroom teacher movie that he's been dubbing Michael B. Jordan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got projects that are good and Correct. he can take care of. RoboCop, I have really no connection to, and so if Neil Blomkamp comes in and blows everything up, not going to care. Uh, as long as it's kind of cool. So, uh, but we also got a sequel announced officially this week from the Hot Reporter, who Sony announced the movie through that Zombieland Two is officially happening. Ruben Fleischer is returning to direct, based on the script by Paul Warnick and Rhett Reese, who wrote the first movie, and then Emma Stone, Jesse Eisenberg, uh, Woody Harrelson, and Abigail Breslin are all returning to star as well. It's going to start filming early next year, eyeing mm-hmm. a October 2019 release date. Yeah. Just in time for the films, the original film's 10th anniversary. So there'll probably be some double feature screenings. Uh, 10 years later, though, a lot of time to wait for a Zombieland 2. Is it needed? Is it going to be worth the wait? Uh, are you excited about this? Well, my emo kid heart is loving this. My angsty teenager self from 2010, 2009. I think it's like 2009. 
think I first saw it in 2012, though. Okay. Around that time. Maybe just a bit before. It's loving this. Because it was like the, it was like what set off my zombie uh, love for it. It was like this movie, and then I found The Walking Dead, and I'm like, mm-hmm. zombies, everything. Let's get yeah. the George Romero stuff, Zack Snyder, um, and then some random Day of the Dead reboot that they did <laughs> that was awful, that did straight to v, uh, VOD. But yeah, uh, it's funny that all of these pieces had to fall into place to get this movie going, because mm-hmm. I felt like the first one was received really well and uh-huh. did well at the box office. But uh, Flesher had to go on and do a Venom movie for them, mm-hmm. to, which I think bodes well for yeah, the Venom movie if does. they're giving this to him. And then well, Warnick and Reese had to go do two Deadpool movies mm-hmm. that were highly successful to make hundreds of millions of dollars before someone's like, well, maybe we should revisit yeah. this old sequel. But I think ultimately, though, getting the cast back together was probably the hardest part. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, Emma Stone's career after this movie took off yeah exactly it went from this to serious project serious project mm-hmm. comedy serious project serious project hanging out with ryan gosling in two or three movies right and then her oscar ultimately mm-hmm. but now she has nothing left to prove woody harrelson is like ready for anything nowadays so uh, i'm here for it and then jesse eisenberg i don't know what that man's been up to but has he been anything lately no i mean he's been like lex luther um other than that like american ultra which uh, you saw a couple weeks ago, you really enjoyed, mm-hmm. and uh, can't think of anything else really that he's been in. But I know he's been, he's been working. The stars have aligned. They have, um, and yeah, I mean, yeah. The thing that kind of stuck out to me the most was Rupert Fleischer because I was like, okay, maybe Venom actually is gonna be good, um, which kind of surprises me a little bit. But uh, fingers crossed. Hope that it is, and that that's why they're bringing him back for the Zombieland Two. Unless they're just like, "Hey, we're only doing this the whole cast if it's just like a full on reunion." Mm-hmm. Like you even have to you have to even have to pay you know uh, Bill Murray twenty million just to come in and do a day cameo. It'd be like, yeah. yeah, he's been a zombie for ten years. Who cares? <laughs> um, that's that's the stuff. Maybe that's what happened, but mm-hmm. I feel like that's a lot of negotiating from the people that aren't on the business side of things to be able to maneuver in order right. to get this movie to happen. Yeah. Um, especially if for a movie that yes, it did good, but made a hundred million dollars worldwide is based on $20 million budget. So it's like, yeah, good. We made a profit and mm-hmm. it's gained a cult status over time. But same time, this isn't a get out scenario where it cost $10 million to make the first time. And then it made two fifty. Yeah. I mean, even if it cost them 50 to 60 this time around, yeah, depending, which probably would be more like eighty. They could even they could just sell it to Netflix for a hundred million dollars. Call it a day. I, I think it'll be bigger than that. Yeah, I mean, I think if they're doing it after all this time, they're gonna want the full ten anniversary. Mm-hmm. Here it is, Zombieland's back, and they'll build it up as something like groundbreaking, which kind yeah. of was. I mean, there's like plot details of like there's super zombies. Uh, there's gonna be more human characters that they meet. Obviously, we'll see how that kind of dynamic changes is there anybody top of your head you're like zombie land with ruben fleischer this cast these writers you feel like you want to throw into the mix here no i do not have any names at the top of my head other than my usual slate zazzy beats zazzy beats <laughs> that's like that's who i would cast in any and everything right now oh man maybe a few people from glow I'd put Ooh, Allison, Allison Brie in there. I'm there for I think that. She'd be, she's terrific. She has great comedic chops. Ooh. Oh, I need to think about that. All right. But who are you thinking? I don't know. Oh, I, okay. just, I just want to throw it out there. Gotcha. Um, Zazzy Beats was the first thing that popped in my head, just thinking like comedy, action. The she's got all the stuff. Yeah, Paul Mark and Reese. 
And I was like, I was like, wait, anybody from Venom who could come? Over? I was like, Tom Hardy, no, it doesn't really fit. I can't see that. I'd put Tom Holland in this. That As actually a preppy little British guy. That would that would be pretty fun. That would be a fun character. For if him. like he was like on like you know vacation or something when the outbreak happened, then mm-hmm. he can't get back home. Right. Or maybe it's like. The outbreak only infected, well, I think it infected the whole world, right? But yeah. maybe it only infected like the US and now like Brits are flying over to hunt zombies <laughs> right. and Tom Holland's like, yes. Tom Holland's like a 23 year old guy who's just like, hey, I want to go, fi- I want right. to go fight some zombies. Yeah, it's not like sn- snobby um, British people like daycationing yeah. across America. Tom Holland would be fun, but he is, he's in every Sony movie <laughs> and I feel like he's just, his, his schedule's just too busy. Uh, Jeff Goldblum as well. I would get him in there. I think he could be the fun celebrity cameo who is like living I, large. I still think that's going to be Ryan Reynolds. Just it lines up too well. Yeah, um, for sure. But that brings us to the end of the news and the end of this episode. We'll be back next week with a review of Equalizer 2 um, as well as another edition of The Big Question. We have this week, as mentioned earlier, we're going to be doing a preview episode of San Diego Comic-Con, kind of saying going through kind of the schedule and kind of talking about what we hope to see, what we want to see, what we think is going to happen in terms of announcements. We're obviously not going to be there, but we're going to obviously be discussing the news next week um, in the episode. So we want a lot of stuff. We do. Um, We didn't. Yeah. I can't wait. Okay. That is it though for this episode. So if you enjoyed it, please subscribe, share, retweet it more, and then head over to iTunes. Give us a five-star view with comments. And be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything covered by between us at Friends of Film. And you can follow me personally on there at Movie Cooper and Coops underscore Hoops. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. Thanks again for tuning in to the Friends of Film podcast. Josh. Look out tomorrow for my take on Mission Impossible 3. And be sure to turn next week for our view of Equalizer 2. <laughs>